Now, if you feel like you're spending too much on your beauty routine, you need to know about Beauty Pie. Rosie and I have been members for months now and we love when our orders arrive. Beauty Pie stocks high quality skincare, hair care, makeup and more direct from the best labs in Switzerland, France, Germany and Japan for unbeatably low prices. There are no middlemen, no huge retailer markups, so you shop and get up to five times more for your money. It's just genius. And right now, join Beauty Pie and use the code LKSENTME, all one word, in the promo code box at checkout and you will get £10 off your first order. Go to beautypie.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of What If, the show where we talk about life's what if moments with me, Rosie. And me, Lorraine. And today, a remarkable woman. Oprah Winfrey says that she's most inspirational that she's ever met. She went from being a bodybuilder in a remote part of Canada to being an entrepreneur. And of course, she thought up the idea of Beauty Pie, who have been supporting our podcast. Marcia, thank you so much for joining us. It's, It's wonderful to see you. It really is. And your story is remarkable. I love the fact now I'm I'm going to attempt to say Saskatchewan in Canada. Was Very that not well bad? Done. Was that okay? Oh, that was perfect. <laughs> I know, but to go from there, being a champion bodybuilder to being this can... incredibly successful businesswoman, it's quite remarkable. Did you always know, did you always know that you were going to do something, that there was something out there, that you were going to achieve great things? Lorraine, I did not. I didn't always know. I think, you know, being born in such a small town and then and moving to what is really a small city, um, there weren't that many opportunities available. And, and you didn't really see necessarily what was out there. In Canada, when I was growing up, we had two television channels. I think it was CBC One and CBC Two. And, you know, there was no internet. So it was the library and it was what you learned at school. So seeing, you know, the big world and, and what was possible was not something that I had the opportunity to do when I was younger. And so when I was 18, I moved to New York to just, I guess, fill that void that you didn't necessarily have in uh, in Saskatoon. And when you left, what, what, what made you leave? What made you, what was the sort of moment where you thought, I've got to, got to go? Um, leaving Saskatoon, I really, as I was in high school, thought, you know what, I um, had been to New York when I was 15 to visit my sister who was living there. I loved it. It was an incredible environment. It was such a vibrant city. And I knew that that was a place that I would like to live or I would like to live somewhere like that with with so many different people from so many different places and, and that buzz that was going on. So when I graduated from high school, I was supposed to go to Columbia University, had a little bit of trouble with my tuition. I moved to New York with $300 and a backpack, which my mom had given me as my graduation present. What kind of a sign is that, right? Here's a backpack. <laughs> That also doubles as luggage. <laughs> mm. But that's that's only about what two hundred and fifteen pounds you had in your in your back pocket as you, yeah, yeah. And my sister lived there, so I got to live with her in her apartment oh for the first couple of months. So I had somewhere to land at least. And then I just I figured out what to do. But my tuition plans fell through, so I didn't end up going to Columbia University, and I ended up using my skills at the time to find jobs. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about your skin. Um, so you you said that you had struggles with acne. Did that start when you were really young? Uh, probably when I was 
12 or 13, when okay. most teenagers start to get oily skin and, you know, you have, mm. he, you know, it's the oils just because of the hormones. And I know all of this now, right? So I can go back scientifically and look at why it was happening. But of course, when your hormones start to change, the oil that's coming out of your glands is stickier. So if you don't know how to take care of your skin or if you don't have all of the different kinds of uh, creams and lotions and cleansers and acids that normally you would use now. And normally, you know, if a, a child's breaking out now, their parent would take them to a dermatologist or they would search online. Of course, you know, we didn't search online and my mom didn't take me to a dermatologist. I think after a while she did. So really it was like a lot of my businesses that I've created, going into the beauty industry was a way for me to solve a problem that I had, but without judgment. Because I always would find that if I would go to a, you know, a, a counter of a certain cosmetics brand to try and buy something, you would, or I went for a facial once. This was very interesting. I went for a facial when I lived in New York and I had saved up $40 to have a facial at this place on the Upper East Side after my economics exam when I was studying at NYU. And I really, you know, didn't have a lot of money. So it was a real treat for me to be spending $40 on a facial. And I went into this salon, and it was um, an Eastern European facial salon, very, very well regarded. And they kind of shamed me. It was kind of terrible because I had I had waited for so long to go in and treat myself, and I thought, oh, I'm going to spend this money that I've saved, and I'm going to I'm going to fix my face, which is you know always problematic and and really you know breaking out all the time. And I remember going in and then looking at my skin through a loop, which is one of those big magnifying glasses, and saying. Oh, what a pity. Wow. <laughs> no. And then, and then the woman who was doing the facial went out and got, you know, one of the gentlemen, I think it was the gentleman who owned the place and brought him in. And he looked through the loop and they both sat there looking at my skin going, oh, oh, too bad. <laughs> and I remember lying there thinking, well, this is such a treat. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. But that's when you really changed the whole sort of culture of going to those places because I remember that. I remember going for facials and actually, you know, you could actually feel your self-confidence oozing out of your body because you felt as if you were being judged. But you changed yeah. all that. And and again, it's really interesting that it's through your own experience that that's how you're doing it. I think, you know, every business uh, that I've that I've sort of born has been through one of my own experiences. And, and Bliss, which was the first one, absolutely was exactly that. I wanted people. I remember having saved that money and going up to that particular salon and thinking, oh, what a relief. This exam is over. It was so hard for me because I actually does, I don't have an economics brain. And it was a real struggle, that particular class. And thinking it would be such a treat and a relief and I would, you know, have this great experience. And and then leaving, just thinking, you know what? If I ever had a place like that, I would never make someone feel bad about themselves because it's not what it's supposed to be. And of course, bliss is about you know, having a moment of bliss. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally learned how to do facials myself and then started doing customers myself, it was just to welcome them, to make them feel great about themselves, to make them have a couple hours where they weren't worrying about anything and, and make them feel beautiful right? And happy about how they look. And, you know, most people will, will be self-deprecating and, and will be more worried about it than anybody else is. So just minimizing the negative, accentuating the positive and, and giving everybody a pep talk. And a pep talk. Sorry. Yeah. That was really what it was all about. And, and people loved it. 
Well, they absolutely did because it was little touches, wasn't it, Rosie? It was things like, you know, you're going there and you're getting like a little cookie or you're getting, you know, a, a little lovely tea and you're getting sort of like maybe even a little glass of something bubbly. It, it was all these wee touches that actually make you think this is a huge treat and you know what? I deserve this. Yeah. And, and I think women need that, right? Life is really hard. Every day, no matter how great your life is, you're, I think the brain is actually wired to worry about certain things. So even if mm. everything is going perfectly, you're going to find something to worry about. It's just how we're wired. And so to be able to go somewhere and treat yourself, you know, Bliss was really quite a deluxe version of that. And of course, because we had real estate and we had to hire, you know, there was a big staff and we had to provide sort of a deluxe experience. It was it was expensive. So, of course, you're limiting the number of people who can afford to come in regularly for something like that just by the fact that it was a little bit more expensive than what the average person might be able to afford. And so with Beauty Pie, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beauty Pie is that all of that luxury, but coming straight from those factories who make those products, but without all of the extra stuff that you would normally have to pay for if you were going to buy it in a, a luxurious setting. You know? It's a fantastic idea. How did you get that idea? Because, you know, most people have like, you know, one amazing idea in their career if they're lucky. And you've had countless, you know, at least five, if not more. So where did you get the idea from for Beauty Pie? Where did that come from? Well, Lorraine, you know, I've been in the beauty industry now for a really long time. And I always would love, I mean, my favorite part of the product development process would be receiving boxes of new product samples from labs. And so when you're a product developer, if you have a a beauty brand, labs around the world, and there are some incredible ones, and there's some who are kind of average, and there's some who are up and coming, right? And then some who do kind of mass market stuff where you receive it, and you'll just think, eh, you know, but there There are several where they send you products because they're trying to get you to incorporate those Mm. products either as is, right, in your own packaging or with some back and forth and some more development into your product line. And there were several labs that would send me boxes. And like you said before, it would be like Christmas. You would get the box and you just think, I'm so excited. (laughs) And, you know, after I sold my last business, I thought, you know what? My favorite part of the beauty business is not only going to the labs and working with the chemists and seeing what they have, but getting those boxes direct from all of those third-party labs who manufacture now not only for Beauty Pie, but for a lot of the other luxury level skincare and cosmetic brands. And then I thought, well, like, wouldn't it be great if everybody could get a box of stuff like this, you know, kind of straight from the lab. I mean, when you're working with those labs, of course, it costs you nothing. But what a lot of people don't realize is that in the beauty industry, the markup on products is about a thousand percent, which if you break it down means, you know, if you're looking at a cream that costs a hundred pounds at retail, it probably didn't cost more than 10 to make, including the box and the jar and Everything, everything right. else that you're paying for in between is marketing or, you know, celebrity spokespeople or, you know, those marble countertops that you buy that product on, yeah. you're paying for those. <laughs> so, so I thought there was a lot of room to cut out all of that, that middle part that actually doesn't make your face look any brighter or your skin any more moisturized so that people could just, you know, experience that amazing big box of products coming direct 
without a huge cost and really have the good stuff because it's possible. So that was the idea for Beauty Buy. You know, it's been a really hard year and sometimes we just need to treat ourselves, which is why we love Beauty Pie. It's a new shopping club created for beauty and product lovers by the women behind Fit Flop Sandals and Bliss Spa and Soap and Glory. At Beauty Pie, members can shop for fabulously luxurious beauty and wellness products at straight from the warehouse prices. It feels like a splurge, but you're getting a steal. Check it out at beautypie.com. And use the promo code LKSENTME, all one word, to get £10 off your first order when you join. I'd love to go back to this bodybuilding thing. You I want to see hear... this about me, right? Can yeah, I want to hear more about it. Jobs. How did it all start? Uh, you know, it's funny. In Saskatoon, my middle sister started dating a guy whose brother owned a gym. And, you know, Canada in the winter, even if you're in a city... You just, it's all covered by four feet of snow and there's mm. nothing to do except ice skate or, I mean, snowshoe, I guess, and stay at home and just try and survive. So he had this bodybuilding gym and uh, the, the boyfriend of my sister was going and my sister never went. I don't know how they roped me into it, but he said one day, hey, why don't you come down to the gym? And they had Miss Canada middleweight or something training there at the time. And they said, well, she'll put you through a routine and you can... You how know, old were you to... when this was happening? 15. Okay. That's yeah, crazy. I was just, yes, <laughs> I was bored, Rosie. Yeah. There was nothing to do. So then I just, I like to kind of try stuff and then excel at it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, this is a challenge with discipline, right? And it, just to see, I thought I, I had been a gymnast when I was younger. I was a little bit too tall for that. There wasn't a gymnastics program in Saskatoon. So I thought, well, you know, let me just try something else that's, that is um, physical. Mm-hmm. And so it was a real challenge. And it was uh, interesting just to see how great of shape you could get yourself into and, and I competed a couple of times, right? You have to eat egg whites and cod and steamed broccoli for, like, months <laughs> to get oh. all the body fat off your <laughs> body so that you can, you know, see all the lines in between your abs and your you know, biceps and triceps. Knowing, did you know there are three muscles in the tricep and two in the bicep? Oh, I did not. I did not know that. Makes sense, though, right? Now, <laughs> yeah. Now, here's a quiz. Quadricep, how many? Four. Yeah. Ah, look at you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love that. I, I just love the, the, the fact of you. I can imagine you as a, a teenager and, you know, doing bodybuilding. It's, it's quite, uh, yeah. What made oh, you yeah. stop doing it? Well, when I moved to New York. So when I moved to New York, I had all this bodybuilding experience, which actually came in handy because I was working out at this local gym called Better Bodies, where, remember Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yes, the muscles, young, yes. yes <laughs> the muscles from Brussels. Yes, the muscles from Brussels. So... He worked out there, and his girlfriend at the time, who was also a bodybuilder named Gladys Portuguese, she worked out there at the time. And it was kind of where all of the fashionistas and um, a lot of filmmakers and kind of the hip New York crowd worked out. It happened to be about four blocks from my sister's apartment. So I ended up getting a membership there and going in. And I, at the time... I kind of looked not like a big, chunky bodybuilder, right? Because I didn't do steroids, but I looked sort of like an Olympic athlete. So if I was walking down the street with a T-shirt on, you would think, oh, she must be an Olympic athlete, right? Because you could see muscles Mm -hmm. everywhere, but I wasn't gigantic. And I ended up 
being in that gym, approached by a lot of, you know, film directors and people sort of in the entertainment business and photographers who wanted to look like me because I had the muscular body, but not the bulky muscular yeah. body. Mm. So that's actually how my personal training business started because I was, you know, there I was in New York. I was cleaning my sister's house for money <laughs> and accidentally shrinking her cashmere sweaters. <laughs> and to this day, I've never admitted it. Sorry, Jody. <laughs> and, and so I ended up doing personal training for, you know, these, these sort of glitterati types for $15 an hour. I would put them through their paces and give them, you know, my workout routine to get them trying to look a little bit more like me. The funny thing is a lot of them were, you know, gay men at the time who just really wanted my body. Right. Not in that way. Not in that you know way. know what I mean? I yeah, absolutely wanted, like, know what you yes, mean. The yes, the same kind of, yes, <laughs> lean musculature. <laughs> but see, so that's, it, that, that is incredible, isn't it? Because that's very successful. You've got there, you've got a success going on, but it wasn't enough, maybe? Because you went well, on to do other things. You know, a lot of people would have thought, oh, here, I'm doing quite well. You know, you know, what if you'd said, I'm actually doing quite well doing this whole sort of training thing. Yeah, this will be fine. But there's something else. This is what's so fascinating about you. You know, there's something else there that you want to do other things. There's other things that you, you know, you want to achieve. Well, I think it, you know, it was very hard to get up at five o'clock every morning. I, I just knew, okay, for my entire life, this is not something I could scale. And I was, I was, you know, relatively successful in school. So I knew that I could probably take on a little bit more intellectually than just personal training. Although I loved it and I loved working with the people and the characters. You cannot even imagine, like, mm. I've got stories. <laughs> but I probably can't tell them until those, I don't, I can't probably never tell those stories. <laughs> but it was fun. It was like being in a reality TV show, kind of. And you can imagine in the middle of New York who you end up being a personal trainer of. You know, it's this film director then gives you to this stuntman who then suggests this musician and then you get that actress and this supermodel and blah, blah, blah. So it was wild. I bet it was wild. And it sounds like a great idea for a reality show. I would watch that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely watch that. I think that's sounds brilliant. Too bad have a camera back at the time. <laughs> but, but it was also exhausting, right? So I yeah. would be getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and then my last client might be, you know, 10 p.m. at night. And then I would sleep for four hours and then I would try and go to my economics class after my first client at 9.30. And I mean, I would fall asleep. I remember being at NYU and putting my head down on my desk because I was so tired and actually falling asleep on my desk. I, I'm thinking, you know what, if I ever want to make it through university, which I'm going to have to take part time because I don't have enough money to pay full time tuition, I can't do this full time. And that's when I decided to go and learn how to do facials. Ah, because right, I thought so that won't yeah. be quite as tiring, right? I could do that. I sure. could do services for, and I could start with the clients that I've got as personal training clients, mm -hmm. and then I could kind of build up. And I'll still, I won't be so tired that I'm going to fall asleep on my desk at school. Yeah, yeah. it's getting the balance. It's getting the balance, isn't it? You um, had some fantastic people that you were giving facials to. You know, you were talking there about that sort of lean look, and it instantly made me think of the way Madonna looks. Mm. And, yeah. you know, she's got that sort of, you know, it's, it's very toned. I mean, she looks incredible, but it's not bulky. So was that the kind of the kind of look that she had was the kind of look that, that you had, that sort of idea? 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hope I look that good. She looked pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I haven't looked for her lately, but she did look really amazing at the time. And she used to come in for facials um, along with, you know, pretty much everybody else. It was sort of the who's who of uh, Manhattan facial giving at the time. So we had everybody from like Bette Midler oh, wow. to Britney Spears no to... Christy Turlington, and then, of course, Madonna, Calvin Klein. I mean, Calvin Klein. I remember once I was giving a facial in. Calvin Klein, of course, I knew he was my next client because his daughter, Marcy, who books for Saturday Night Live, she was one of my clients, and so she sent him. And so, of course, I knew, but, you know, you're 23 years old or something, right? And Calvin Klein is on your books? That mm. is it's a little nerve-wracking because he's an icon. I mean, I had seen Calvin Klein ads since I was growing up in Canada. So we used to have this method of letting everyone know when their next client was there by slip, you know, it was slipping a note under the door to say your next client has arrived so that you wouldn't disturb the person who was having the facial on the table in front of you. And I remember the day that, you know, I was doing Calvin Klein having a note slip under my door that said, Calvin Klein is waiting. And how surreal is this, right? Can you imagine? I mean, here I am, I'm 26. I happen to have opened a spa. Yes, I'd had a few celebs come in and out, but to get a note under the door that says, Calvin Klein is waiting. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. It was very surreal. And then I walked out and into the lobby and there is Calvin Klein shopping for me. Like, who would ever think Calvin Klein would be shopping for me? I should be shopping from Calvin Klein, right? <laughs> so it was one of those like incredible moments, but there were a lot of them. When we had so much fun, I think the energy was just really good, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, Oprah, I know you've interviewed Oprah. She used to come in quite a lot. And uh, I have some funny stories about Oprah too, but it was great. I was kind of like living this dream life um, taking care of the skin of, of kind of the rich and the famous and then also, you know, the 20-year-olds with terrible acne who mm-hmm. couldn't necessarily even afford to come in. We always made sure that we had slots where we would do pro bono oh, nice. pro bono acne treatments just oh, because lovely. it's nice for everybody to be able to access it. Absolutely. And really good to give something back to. I mean, I must admit, I did interview, I've interviewed Oprah a couple of times. I was pretty nervous because she is, well... You know, she she is the sort of queen of everything, really. But did you ever get sort of like, you know, I mean, I know Calvin Klein, that's a moment and that's extraordinary. But did you find that when people were on your table, everybody's the same? You know, you talked about 20-somethings with acne or there you've got, you know, one of those famous women on the planet and there's Madonna mm. and everything else. Um, but were they all just treated the same? Oh, yeah, I mean, well, I treated them all the same, certainly. And I think I just got used to them after a while because... We had a rule at Bliss that we would never move somebody to accommodate a celebrity, right? Okay. So if a celebrity wanted to come in or Hillary Clinton called or, you know, whatever, we would never move somebody. She would have to come in at 7 o'clock in the morning. We would try to accommodate by opening up early or staying late or giving them a cancellation if somebody had canceled, but we would never you know, move somebody else around. And that, I think it was a great decision. And we did that very early on just because everyone is equal, right? Mm -hmm. If you're paying, you're paying. If you're coming in for a service, there's nobody who should be more important than anybody else. And we always had that kind of um, ethos. So I, at the very beginning of my career, would get a little bit breathless, I suppose, 
usually with the supermodels because you open the door and they're so good looking you can't even <laughs> speak but the celebrities you get used to very quickly yeah and so they didn't really do the same thing but I did have a few moments where I would open the door and you know a Victoria's Secret model or something like that and just go <gasps> yeah like that yeah I'm sure it happens to them all the time oh they're, they're just like a different species it's extraordinary yeah, it's, isn't they it? are yeah um we end every episode of this podcast by asking our guests what their biggest fail, win, and regret is. Um, so we will get yours now. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've written the answers. Right, Just good, so I could good. remember what they were. <laughs> okay. So do you want to... Yeah, I please. Yeah. Freeform free it? Okay. Sure. So I don't believe I ever fail. I either win or I learn. And mm-hmm. I stole that from somebody. But it's so true. And if we can approach failure with... Well, you're not failing, you're winning or you're learning something, then mm-hmm. there's never a failure, which is a great way to go into being more open about, about trying things and being a little more adventurous. I think my biggest win is having figured out that I can do what I love and it's actually a career. Because <laughs> mm. that is, you know, how many people get to do what they absolutely love all day long and, you know, at some point get paid for it. Not that many. (laughs) You know, as an entrepreneur, it's a long time before you get paid. You're usually paying out for a very, very, very long time. But um, it's so much fun that it doesn't feel like work. And my regret, I think, I don't have many. I guess I would think that my life would have been easier or um, maybe more inspiring if I would know 20 years ago what I know now about what's important. And so... My regret, I would say, is not listening as much as I could have or not prioritizing as much as I could have, listening to people who were older than I was and taking their advice to heart so that I really understood you know, what was most important and where I would arrive at this age. And you have amassed so much wisdom. And I know there'll be lots of people listening who would love to be someone like you who's, you know, had a dream and seen it through and, and, and been successful. For anybody who, who really is maybe sitting there, especially in these days when I think people have thought a lot more about what they want to do in their future, what, what advice would you give to anyone who's sitting there with an, sitting on an idea but just not quite sure what to do with it? I think number one is read everything. If you're sitting on an idea and you don't know what to do with it, there are millions of people who have gone before you who have had an idea and didn't know what to do with it and just started doing something with it and learned along the way. So what they say about successful entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general, if you're a natural one, you're someone who is very well-educated and expert at a particular thing, but you are still very interested. So it's almost like a T. You're a deep expert in one area, but you're always interested in kind of everything else. And so just reading about things that you're not necessarily naturally inclined to read about will broaden your horizons and help you connect dots in new ways. And so I always say the more dots you have up in your sky, right, the easier it's going to be to make a new picture that no one else has drawn. So meet as many people as you can. Listen to as many podcasts as you can. (laughs) Read as many books, newsletters as you can. Learn as many languages as you can. And then you'll have so many opportunities because you can take those dots, those points of, of light and connection and connect them in your own personal way. And that's your opportunity. You're a wise woman, a wise woman. Marcia, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, thank you. 
Finance it's been a real fantastic. pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I'm Thank really you. excited about your podcast. Before we go, one more word about the Disruptive New Beauty Buyers Club that's become, well, a little bit of an obsession for Rosie and me. It's Beauty Pie. Thousands of people are already enjoying getting up to five times more health and beauty products for their money. The prices are so low, they make the beauty industry blush. Imagine being able to buy a super expensive Swiss anti-aging face cream for only £16. Or our famous dermatologist's favourite retinol serum for under £17. Just join and you'll get insider prices on the best beauty products every time you shop. And don't forget to use the promo code LKSENTME, all one word, to get £10 off your first order when you join.